There is no such thing as work-life balance. It is all life. The balance has to be within you. This quote is won by Sadhguru, a spiritual leader who has spread the knowledge of yoga and well-being around the world. His deeper message is that people weren't born to work, and happiness can't be achieved by ignoring the importance of life outside of work. This view that people need to do more than work resonates with a growing number, myself included, and I hope you adopt it by the end of today's episode. This contrasts dramatically with the views of work and life during the late 1800s and early 1900s in the Western world. It is not the place of man to know his limitations. His duty is to work until he drops. (laughs) While I can't find a specific individual who said this, it was the primary sentiment during those years, the belief in the importance of relentless work and sacrifice. That sacrifice being your health and your relationship with your family and putting off personal happiness indefinitely. To ensure that workers remained loyal to them, the Ford Automobile Company went so far as to monitor their employees' activities outside of work to see what they were up to. And while many of today's corporations profess that they care about their employees, it's actually a quickly growing trend for corporations to hire companies to monitor their employees, and not just to see if they're stealing or working hard, but also to look for hints that they're planning on jumping ship. Clearly, Our world is still caught between these two competing sentiments on work versus activity that's not work. So in today's episode, we'll be looking at an age-old topic called work-life balance. I know, I know. You've had just about enough of hearing about this. The topic's been covered to death. I'm sitting next to a 2020 copy of Harvard Business Review's special issue entitled The New Work-Life Balance. I'm struggling to sort out just how the new work-life balance is different from the old work-life balance. Can't find that issue anywhere. Please let me know if you have one. ChatGPT tells me that it's safe to say that there have likely been hundreds or even thousands of books published on this topic globally over the years. And when I ask Google Scholar about articles on work-life balance, it said there's over 6 million. So today we'll examine why this balance is important, the benefits that come from having a balanced life, what throws it out of whack, and how to achieve and maintain that balance. I'll share three techniques for managing demanding work schedules while maintaining a fulfilling personal life, along with strategies to prevent burnout and ensure overall well-being. So if you want to learn cutting-edge ways to have a balanced life while staying productive and improving performance in your career, stick around. And if you want help achieving this, join my free career masterclass that meets on Zoom every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time by sending a request to Dr. Jim Polk at ProtonMail.com. So let's get to it. Hello, this is Dr. Jim Polk, and welcome to An Amazing Career. This podcast is all about equipping you with phenomenal skills, habits, and a mindset that'll redefine your limits and help you achieve your maximum potential in your career and in your life away from work. I'm an executive and career coach, as well as a neuropsychologist with over 40 years experience helping people achieve greatness. So strap in, get ready, and take notes, and prepare to learn how to have an amazing career. Work-life balance. Seems like I've been hearing this short phrase for decades, and the more often I hear it, well, the less sense it makes. Work and life. Why the dichotomy? 
Now, if you've been listening to me and reading my posts, you're familiar with my phrase, your career and life away from work. But that doesn't make as much sense to me anymore either. It's all life. We're not born to work. Why is it that when we meet someone new, the first thing they want to know about us is what we do for a living? I'm originally a clinical psychologist by education and training. So if I'm at a party and reveal this, I get one of two reactions most of the time. The person either quickly excuses himself and heads to the other side of the room, yes, they believe I can read minds, or they start to tell me about their traumatic childhood. So I usually say I'm a helicopter pilot that does search and rescue. (laughs) Wins me fans every time. We're all born into this world to enjoy the time we have. We're here to play, experience, learn, connect, fall in love, spend time with friends and family to explore, have amazing sex, take risks, build. We're here to live. Work. Shame on whoever invented it. We began as hunter-gatherers living off the land only working as much as we had to in order to put food in our stomachs, clothing on our backs, and provide shelter from the elements. Was life better or tougher then? I don't know. To help figure that out, people have examined the several hunter-gatherer cultures that still exist. Current hunter-gatherer societies have shorter lifespans, mostly cut short by accidents, and early infant and child mortality. But the modal age of death for today's hunter-gatherers is 70, just four years less than those of the males in the United States. Anyway, work is what we do to support the life we have, to support our lifestyle. Work provides money and for some benefits. Our money and benefits put food in our stomachs, clothing on our backs, and provide shelter from the elements. Just what work does for hunter-gatherers. The difference? Whereas hunter-gatherers have few possessions because they have to pack up and move around a lot chasing food, Modern humans stay put for the most part and accumulate stuff. Unfortunately, we put a lot of value on our stuff and attach our self-image, self-esteem, and place in the hierarchy of society to it. What would happen if everyone stopped buying stuff, lived in a mobile home, wore clothing from a dollar store, and drove a Nissan Versa? Dollar stores, I'm showing my age. When I was a kid, they were five-and-dime stores. (laughs) Life has gotten more expensive. That's an aside we'll tackle in future episodes, confusing success and happiness with the accumulation of possessions. But for now, it's time to get rid of the term work-life balance and replace it with this phrase, a balanced life. So we work in order to get money and benefits to support our lifestyle. And if you're lucky, you actually enjoy and find fulfillment with your work. So what percentage of people don't like their job? Gallup conducted a worldwide poll in 2022 And it uncovered that out of the world's 1 billion full-time workers, only 15% of people were engaged in their work, leaving 85% unhappy with their work. Also in 2022, 60% of people reported being emotionally detached at work, and 19% reported being miserable. It suggests that a large percentage of people are feeling disconnected and unhappy in their jobs. This can lead to low morale, poor job performance, and a lack of engagement. I was really shocked by these numbers. I mean, I knew that a lot of people didn't like their work, that most viewed it as a necessity in order to live. But this? Well, for many, it seems that the toughest part of the 9 to 5 is going through each day without hitting someone in the face. So let's start by looking at the top five reasons so many are disenchanted with and leave their career. Without going into fine detail, the following came from looking at research completed by LinkedIn, Indeed, Harvard Business Review, and CBS News. They show that people leave their career due to, one, inadequate salary and benefits, 
Two, an unhealthy, unsupportive work environment marked by mistreatment by co-workers, unfair treatment by employers, biases, and favoritism, and a lack of respect in a toxic workplace culture. This extends into unmanageable workloads, unclear communication from managers, and unreasonably strict time pressures. The next is a conglomeration of emotional and almost spiritual reasons. Today's workers often want to leave a job or career because of not feeling challenged at work, but it's more than that. That more is not feeling valued or connected to their work. Along with a lack of passion and meaning, people feel uninspired. People want to feel like what they do for a living matters, and that what they do makes the world better. They want to leave a legacy, and they want to enjoy what they do, not just live for the weekend. Now, this collection of values attached to work has probably always been there to some extent, but you have to remember something that most have forgotten. In the 1950s and 60s, you had people who were born in the 30s and 40s, and these people had lived through the Great Depression, the longest and deepest economic downturn in the history of the United States, and it lasted more than a decade, beginning in 1929 and ending during World War II in 1941. In the 1950s and 60s, people had rising expectations relating to money. They were happy to have any job and mostly wanted a job, any job that would pay the bills. You didn't have to like it, it paid the bills. Remember, security is number one in our hierarchy of needs, and these folks had grown up without it. But the economy and the population changed. During the late 1960s through the 70s and 80s, the world cranked out more and more college graduates because of the GI Bill. Personal development programs caught fire, as did meditation and self-help books, and psychotherapy started to be accepted. This cohort of society had rising expectations, but instead of merely money, like the cohort before, a slow groundswell began that wanted happiness in the workplace. And today, those who made it through the pandemic have shifted even further with their expectations in the direction of wanting to enjoy and feel good about their work. Being faced with possible death at every turn has made people reevaluate the meaning of work and of life away from work. This holds true for CEOs, factory workers, professionals, every career imaginable. Number four, people leave their jobs and careers because they realize their current job doesn't allow them to have a balanced life. This follows directly from the desire to enjoy and feel good about one's work. People increasingly want careers that allow them to have a life away from work that's rewarding, joyful, and diverse. They want to be connected to friends and family and have time to spend with them without work following them home. They also want time to pursue hobbies, sports, and vacations. They don't want to work late past their scheduled workday, don't want to take their work home with them, and to answer emails, texts, and calls after hours. And fifth, people are leaving their career or job because of a lack of career advancement potential. People want clear opportunities to learn new skills and talents for career growth and development and to move up the ladder. When they don't get these, they understandably leave. Okay, so much for the top reasons that people choose to leave the career or job. Let's take a look at why it's important to have a balanced life. If you've bought into my theory that a balanced life is what we should all be shooting for, great. If not, if not, here's some of the reasons why balance between one's career and life away from work is important. A balanced life means reduced stress, better mental health, better physical health, enhanced ability to be present and mindful, which ups the performance and work quality people have, and whatever you're up to when you're not at work, improved relationships, increased engagement at work, 
increased productivity, increased happiness and fulfillment, higher levels of success, and improved innovation and creative abilities. Wow. Who wouldn't want to function like this in life? What employer wouldn't want workers operating at this level? It's pretty clear that the 10 benefits I just mentioned are important, so I'm not going to spend more time with them just now. Let's jump into what you can do to create and maintain a balanced life, the one that you need to produce these results. Ready? Let's jump into three ways to balance your life, and we're going to start with have a life outside of work. My one-time client, Alex, was on his way to a business trip when the flight was canceled at the last minute. He went back home on a gorgeous spring day, and once there he remembered his wife was away for a couple of days, and that he had no friends to call or hobbies that he once loved. He told me that he sat on a sofa staring at the walls for more than an hour, wondering how it had gotten so bad. I've seen this way too often during my 40 years of executive coaching with highly successful people. They graduate from college with loads of interests and friends, grabbing a career that maximizes security and status. Work quickly overtakes their lives with 10 to 12-hour days. The back-and-forth commute to work, business trips, and emails to answer in evenings and on weekends. This leads to fewer social events, less exercise, and reduced time with family. Life narrows down to work in a couple of select friends. They move into a new home and maybe start a family, narrowing social interactions even more, and increasing the money drain, making work even more important. Larger homes and nicer neighborhoods follow. School and activity costs for the children, carpooling to sports, alone time dwindles. Friends can be replaced by acquaintances. It becomes work, family obligations, and sleep. For many that end up at my door, I see burnout, divorce, high blood pressure, depression, and anxiety. This is the result of someone being a great provider but having developed a unidimensional focus on work. They're no longer their best version of themselves. You can't be the best spouse, partner, parent, or self if you're not feeding you. So what to do? Well, there seem to be some people who avoid this trap, who have somehow resisted allowing life to become all about work and obligations. How do they do it? It seems that many belong to at least two and often three or four different groups outside of work. Athletics, civic or religious organizations, personal development training like Landmark or Tony Robbins, volunteering, joining a choir, book clubs, social or dinner clubs, all provide avenues for friendship and meaning. All of these are amazing ways to diversify your life, create a friendship network, and make life outside of work nurturing and fun, which is what life is supposed to be. Even if you have a young family and partner to care for, Carving out time for your own life is a necessity for balance. Sure, your partner and or kids could join you in some of these, but I'm talking about you belonging to groups to create your friends. This isn't being selfish. It's necessary if you want to have a balanced life. Again, you can't be your best self, best partner, best parent, or best worker unless you take care of yourself and have your own life. And having a strong and vibrant life outside of work is essential to great physical, emotional, and mental health. And I almost forgot you type A people out there. Your productivity, performance, and the quality of your work will all improve as well. Next, let's look at a second way to help achieve a more balanced life. It's as simple as saying no. It borders on being an untreatable medical condition in our society to say no to someone's request, especially in a work environment. Lots of us have difficulty saying no to people's requests, even when we aren't interested in doing it, 
already know we're likely not to have time to do it, or that we'll be hard-pressed to do so. People do this for a variety of reasons, such as not wanting to disappoint someone, wanting to be liked, having a passive personality, not wanting to rock the boat, not wanting to miss out on something, or feeling guilty. They'll say yes even if it means sacrificing what they have to do for themselves. Listen, if you don't control your schedule, someone else will. Not saying no can lead to being overcommitted and doing what other people want instead of focusing on yourself. It's important to get what you want to do accomplished. That's job one. If you don't want to do something, say you're sorry, but you aren't interested. If you don't know if you have the time, say so. That's better than promising someone and backing out at the last minute after they've been looking forward to you doing what they asked. Tell them you're not sure if you have the time, but that you'll get back with them and commit to actually getting back to them. And remember, you're not saying no to the person. You're declining their invitation or request. And when you say no, be kind and appreciative. It's almost never an insult when people make requests of you. They're asking for your help or company because they trust you, probably like you, and believe in your capabilities. Now, of course, there will be a few in life who just want you to do their work for them. You'll pick up on that pretty quickly if you pay attention. If that happens, muster up the courage to talk with them about it and let them do their own work. And of course, there are things that you might not want to do that you have to, like taking the kids to soccer practice, helping with the laundry, attending a meeting with your boss, or watching the good witch with your wife or football with your husband. And don't forget, some people have a difficult time saying no because they hate to miss an opportunity. And saying no always leads to a missed opportunity. It's a trade-off. If you're really about upping your game, you may have to miss out on some fun once in a while, but not all the time. Just evaluate a request before you go along with it. Think before you act. This will help unclog your already overcommitted schedule, reduce the stress in your life, and you'll get more of what you want to do done. Next, let's look at untouchable days. I don't know about you, but I'm crazy busy. I fly three times a month for work to give workshops, attend conferences, and to see clients. I have clients online and in the office. And like many of you, I also have a home. And even though we have a lawn guy and a cleaning lady, there's always something to do, right? That recycling bin won't walk itself out to the curb yet. So how do I get a chance to do the things that I want to do outside of work that are really important to me? I schedule an untouchable day three times a month. I look at my calendar and for three months out, I schedule three days each month where I'm unavailable. On those days, I turn off my cell phone, my laptop, my iPad, and I don't have contact with anyone, with a couple of exceptions. Those are if I've scheduled tennis time with some friends or there's an emergency, which hasn't happened in the last three years, and I don't work, have any appointments, any dinners or lunches planned with family or friends, just dinner with my wife, and we don't talk about politics or work. The day before, I write down what I'd like to do the next day and make sure they all get done. Writing my latest book, going for a run, watching the sunrise at the ocean, extra meditation, workout, tennis with the guys, a bike ride, and watching the latest episode of Foundation on Apple TV. I'm hooked. They make great shows. If something drastic comes up, I'm willing to shift the day, but only a couple of days in either direction. The rule of three days is at the foundation of my life. These days are rejuvenating and my life is immensely improved by them. I emerge more focused and rested, and my productivity and creativity soars, and I'm happier. I'm better balanced, so give it a try. 
To wrap things up, let's take a quick look at what we've touched on today. Life is busy. Whether you're a CEO or a janitor, an artist or a stay-at-home parent, there are demands on your time. These demands come from our work, our family, our friends, our obligations to the community, and they should also come from ourselves. The easiest way to go through life, unfortunately, is to just let life bounce you around, to react rather than to be proactive. It's easy to get caught up in the drift. The drift is a storm-swollen, quickly-moving river, and we're in the middle of it whooshing along through life. The drift takes us where it wants us to go. For us working people, the drift is our work, taking care of the kids in a home, designing a floor plan, running a department in a software company, and work is demanding. It's easy to wake up, work, eat, and fall asleep. Do we all have snippets of fun thrown in? Well, of course. But as I've pointed out, the demands of work can seem urgent as we struggle to keep security, status, and our stuff. We can lose contact with friends and loved ones, with those interests and dreams we had when we were younger, and even with our spouses, partners, family, and children. So you have to make a decision that you want to balance life. You have to make a decision that you're worthwhile. You have to make the decision that you're more than an employee, business owner, parent, or partner. You have to make the decision that you are you. If we get out of balance, we've seen what can happen. Reduced productivity and performance at work, depression and loneliness, social isolation, and addiction to substances to help us feel good. It's up to each of us, myself included, to take a look at our lives, see what we want out of life, and to take the time to write down our goals. Then we get to devise a plan to make sure that work doesn't consume too much of us, that our life away from work is healthy, fun, and diverse. That is how we find happiness in the sometimes insane world. We touched on just three ways to help balance your life, having a life outside of work, saying no, and having untouchable days. There are more, of course, and I'll touch on those in later episodes. But for now, take the time to make a review of your life, schedule your time, and slowly implement the three things I presented today into your life. If you do, I guarantee you'll be and feel happier and healthier. If you'd like some help implementing these practices into your life, join my free career masterclass that meets every Saturday on Zoom at 11 a.m. Eastern. Drop me an email at drjimpolk at protonmail.com to sign up. Remember, it's free and full of great people just like you who are upping their game in the world. Until next time, I'm Dr. Jim Polk, and this has been an amazing career.